what is up, guys? It's Joey from Jaywalking the Podcast. And today's sports topic I want to go over, which was handed to me, silver platter by the NFL, was the Andrew Luck retirement situation. Now, right now, I have a poll going on on uh, Instagram to really see where people are at with this situation. Um, for me, because of course this is my podcast, I'm going to give you my thoughts. Now, did Andrew Luck retire too young? I would say yes, he did. He's 29 and was really showing the potential this last year. But do I think he made the wrong decision? No, I don't think so. Here's why. I mean, if you look and rewind back to even just the beginning of his career at Stanford, he was being called one of the greatest quarterback prospects since John Elway. Okay, and that that comparison does not come often. But it was rightfully given to him. He was smart intelligent at the line, knew all the tactics really that came into play when facing off even just elite defenses. He was sturdy. He was built. He wasn't a scrawny quarterback. And he was athletic. I mean, not to the degree of like a Michael Vick, but to the degree of he can scramble, he can throw on the run. He can have some elusiveness in the pocket. He was a slippery catch. So to me, he was everything you would want in a quarterback. Had the arm, had the mind, had the athleticism, sorry. But just like in life, it's all about the situations that you're put in that really dictate where you're going to go. And someone can tell me different. I know there's always those stories where kid coming from a poverty-strucken house really makes it to the top, grinding and battling his way out. I get that. I get that. There's always those few instances. But if you look at the numbers, it's so hard for that kid to even get that chance in the first place to overcome those things. So when I bring up those situations, I think... Let's look and see where Andrew Luck then went to. He went to a Colts team that was in the biggest midst of a rebuild I've ever seen a franchise go through. Uh, They had just lost one of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation in Peyton Manning. And there was Andrew Luck right there to pick up the pieces and become that leader that Indianapolis needed. But what people forget is the team he inherited, the situation he was in. That team provided little to no help in developing Andrew Luck as a player and as a perennial quarterback. Really, if you really look at it, I 
God, I even read a stat where it said that uh, Jim Ursay and some of those other guys back then had only picked up three offensive linemen in the first three rounds within the last seven years. So ultimately, you're you're getting these offensive linemen that are decent, but you're getting them, you know, in that rate. That's not that's not successful for a team that didn't have an O line, and really led to the injury that Peyton Manning had. It's like you you gotta you gotta help your quarterback. You gotta help that centerpiece, and they never really did. If you're only picking up three. Offensive lineman, and that's not even a for sure first rounder or anywhere near that. It's tough. That is so tough to overcome. It doesn't help matters either that the defense was literally gutted out at that point as well. It was old, and they had to get rid of guys, and that led to young inexperienced players that really couldn't hold through on an NFL scale at the time. It was, it, it hurt because you think, okay, a drive doesn't go successful, right? You at least want your defense to kind of back you up to gain you some momentum. That wasn't even there. You know, they were, they were getting shot out. So when you see, when you see your defense getting blown up, your offense isn't clicking like how you want it to be. It's just a bad situation. It does not provide any sort of relief or sense of happiness in being in that place. You know, and and to top things off, you look at the six years he had in the NFL, and you look at the injuries. You have a torn cartilage and two ribs, partially torn abdomen. A lacerated kidney that left him literally peeing blood. Uh, a concussion that's at least that that one concussion that is at least known to go through the NFL concussion protocol. There might have been some that weren't even gone through the inspection. A torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. <laughs> yeah, you asked me to get better on literally something that. I need to do to be successful in this league. There's no quarterback that can't throw, you know, without, without their strong arm. Like what? The guy is literally bouncing back and regaining strength in his arm to play this game. And then it brings us all back to where we're at now. And that's the calf kind of ankle issue that he had in preseason and people were trying to get really insight, you know, from trainers to GMs about the whole situation. And it was so vague. I think that's why people were so caught off guard because there's no, there's no details leading me to think like, Oh, Andrew, look, you know, he's going to retire. No, you just, honestly, you just thought it's another injury. Damn, that sucks. But it, it wasn't to a severe magnitude. But I guess as as fans, we didn't realize when looking at all these incidents and injuries, we didn't look at the mental aspect and how draining that is. That literally 
creates this sense of desperation within a player to just want to be able to get out there, but you can, and you're just stuck in this, this middle ground of rehabbing and then going out there and getting her rehabbing. And it's like, damn, can't catch a break. And I think this calf injury, I don't think it was severe, but I think it was a wake-up call and he had an epiphany and he just thought like, I think I've spent more time rehabbing than I have even playing this game. And I mean, there's always that statistic where you, as football players, actually have like seven minutes of full-on action altogether um, on the field when you're out there. You know, other times you're at the at the center, at the helm. But like actual playtime is a full-on seven minutes. So you take that into account each game. I think his record's like 53 and 33 as a starter. And you take how many minutes you prep your body for this game to just be in shape, to be in decent shape. It takes so much. But I know him as a player, and he was not just wanting to be in decent shape. He wanted to be in the best shape. So Andrew Luck had that epiphany and told himself, it's not worth it. It's not. And he's a college you know, student out of Stanford. It's not like he didn't go to Miami, played a couple years, and called it a day. No, he was... He was really out here studying, and I think his his major's in engineering, if I'm not mistaken. He knew. He knew when it was time, and he knew that his life consisted of way more than just football. So props to him because some people just straight up lose their identity playing football or being just one thing. I think in the midst of things and what we have going on, it's so hard to not see the effect that it has on other pieces in our life. And I, and and for me, I can't really say that right now because this podcast is going on and I have school. So I, I have other factors. But if you're a professional and you dedicate your time, some people just let that be known, you know, that that's them. That's the only piece of identification that you need from them. So Andrew Luck is battling and grinding it out. And the one thing that, that kind of rubbed me off the wrong way was just fans booing him. I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, look at Josh Rosen. Okay, he was put into an awful situation as well. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but if we're just being objective, he was put in an awful situation. Him and Coach Wilkes for the Cardinals last year. I think they were in in no capacity or in no way, shape, or form able to show their ability on the field because of how crappy it was around them. There was no way someone can literally turn that team around from get-go, like just straight from the start like that. There's no way. 
I I even tell my friends, I think you put Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. I think you put him behind the Cardinals and where they were at a year ago. I mean, I don't think they made much improvements, but you look at them and place Tom Brady in there. Do I think he can lead the team to a Super Bowl? Not only no, but hell no, and he would get obliterated. There's no way Josh Rosen had no way to show what he was capable of. So he got shipped out. It's unfair. Kyler Murray comes in. But a couple days afterwards, he goes to Larry Fitzgerald's softball uh, charity event. And mind you, I mean, he, he really could have just left and you know been like, hey, it's a tough time for me right now. But he showed up. So he showed up, and the fans applauded him and cheered for him and kind of thanked him you know, right there on the spot. So they do that for a guy who went 3-13, and 13, but not a guy who literally took your team from a dumpster to a contender this year. And I get that it hurts that that opportunity to go to a Super Bowl is compromised. It's, it's just done with him leaving. Now Jacoby, he's a he's a good backup quarterback. I don't know don't know if he's capable of leading that team like Andrew Luck did because not only do you provide what you can do on the field, it's off the field and I know that players viewed him as the ultimate leader. It was like a blueprint of what it's like to be a hard working leader. So that that rubbed me off the wrong way. I don't I don't really like seeing that. And even for him to say like it hurt while he was talking about his retirement, like dang. Like you don't think this guy thinks about not being able to play the sport that he loves, the profession that he had? Like he's feeling hurt himself. He doesn't need it to be poured on and fans are emotional. That's that's what they go to the stadium for is to let out all their emotions for their team. But he's a human being. And at that, a damaged human being. This guy went through way too much to have someone boo him like that. To have that stadium boo him. So I don't put no uh, negative vibes or bad juju on anybody. But that, I mean, if something were to happen... Best believe it, it came directly back to that moment where you booed him. So, do I think he made the right move? As a football player, it's tough. He was entering his prime. This was the one year, the one time that I had actually saw the Colts show what they're capable of. They had a young defense. They had a different play caller. Their O-line was shaping up in the last uh, seven games, I want to say. They really showed how dominant they could be. And I think the just everything was fitting right for Andrew Luck. But I think it's just that one injury. He had to look at himself in the mirror and say, do I want to rehab? So in that perspective, as a football player and as an incredible talent, it saddens me. 
I think I think that's a tough decision. But as a human being, which he is first and foremost, he made the right decision. What hurts most, despite all the injuries and unsuccessful attempts at reaching a Super Bowl or MVP status, what I do say is that he did get comeback player of the year, and that's in the same range as like Derrick Rose getting that because, man, these, these guys battled it out. The one thing, though, that really, really sucks about this whole situation is just the fact that he won't be known as a Hall of Famer. His line of work as a quarterback requires, honestly, so many statistics just being shoved down, you know, throats of voters, that if they were to look at seven seasons, I mean, it's it's great, but it's just not long. It's not The longevity isn't there. And when he was playing, it's not a full seven seasons, you know? It's tough. To know that you're a Hall of Fame quarterback talent, for sure. No one is ever going to rub that off and say, nope, he's not. I, I think if you ask literally anybody who watches football or anybody that even knows Andrew Luck, knew, like knew what kind of talent he was coming out of college and knew right from the start what he was capable of because he provided that team a shot when they had zero. I think when you look at it like that, he's a Hall of Famer. But statistically, he can't make it. There's just not enough uh, body of work within his resume. So, I know all the football heads may be like, nah, you know, he was being a wimp. He could have got his ass right back out there. Everyone else does it. That's cool. But... Mentally, if you're not in the game, it doesn't matter what you can do physically. It, it really all starts with the with the brain and emotionally how you're feeling. And he just wasn't there. So Andrew Luck, with all this being said, you made the right decision. And I hope that this trip outside of football, maybe you come back, you know, maybe you give it a year or two and you come back like Brett Favre on some crazy stuff. You're super young. That's the thing. 29 years old and having to retire. But I think even if you don't come back, he's smart enough, man. He'll figure it out. He's got a lot of money and, and that's what it comes down to as well. Like, why would I keep putting myself in a position to get tagged or not be able to walk the next day when I already have the money? And I don't I don't like looking at it from a money side, but if it can bring you know that happiness to the table and other facets, if you can use that money for other facets and you didn't blow it off and you use it strategically and wisely, you're fine. He's made a hundred million dollars in in this. He's going to travel the world with his girlfriend or wife, like he said. And I wish him nothing but the best. So, Andrew Luck, 
I don't know what the polls say, but to me, on my podcast, you made the right move. If you're listening to this, you are on the second portion of this podcast. What is up? What's happening? Man, let's get down to it. This is a sneaker portion. I might have sound a little bit emotional or at loss of words because I kind of put myself in that situation with Andrew Luck and that kind of sucks. But on to bigger and better things with this situation. So, I got to thinking this past weekend when I heard that Travis Scott was going to have a Netflix documentary, uh, you know, entailing his whole life and everything that has led him up to this point. But where exactly is this point at? I know it's the present, like, no duh, but I mean, I just want to have a quick, you know, analyzation of where Travis Scott is in this whole crazy fashion industry, if you will. And and just like fashion or music in general, I think, and this might be the take that really leads the theme or whatever, but I think that Travis Scott is the most influential character in fashion right now. Now speaking on the sneaker side and semi-clothing or whatever, but he's definitely at the top. Here's why. If you just want to look at shoes, so let's look at shoes, okay? Let's look at shoes and let's see what he's done. So Kanye West, it took him a while to get that deal with Nike when, you know, a few years back, but he was already... 30-something, you know, had established himself as a rapper and as a a really a mogul in this world. But with Travis Scott, it was more like Nike wanted to catch that young flame. (laughs) No pun intended, but seriously, they wanted to get that that juice from someone. And you got to look at it like this. You got to look at it kind of like as as a plant. And you got to think like which one is going to grow and bring me the most crops. So they took a risk because honestly it could have been like like a Migos situation and that, that's no disrespect to Migos, but you look at them and surely their their songs slap too. Their flame kind of ran out just a little bit. It's kind of getting played on and even just what their clothing or pieces i i think they had to deal with under armor but no one's screaming like we need some under armor shoes that would be super weird i probably have to cancel my existence as a sneakerhead but really though like it it doesn't work out for every single rapper the way that people think it does and shoot j cole He's with Puma right now. No one really knows what that all entails. Uh, Kendrick Lamar was with Reebok previously, and his Reebok club seeds were 
really a dud. Other than that one that had the red and the blue back tabs on it, that was super sick. But minus that one, then you can literally go on StockX or shoot. I, I went to like a, a Champs out here at Arizona Mills and found that old collaboration for like uh, $30. So would you ever see or ever envision Kanye West or Travis Scott having a sh- like a shoe collaboration go for $30. There is no way in hell that would ever happen. Okay. So they took a chance, but I like the way that they did it because with Kanye, they gave him his shoe and they gave him, you know, another shoe, but then the demand for power comes into play and that's more of a business clientele kind of issue with Nike and him. So it just broke off. So I think they didn't want to give Travis the keys to the spaceship yet. They said, okay, let, let's let's really see how this goes. So to my understanding, I think they gave him the Jordan kind of trenner thing that was like a really weird release thing at just random uh <laughs> like I don't know, like random Goodwills or stuff like that on New York. If Really, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know the full story of that, but I know it was so random of a release. That's why I don't really want to dive into it too much. I don't really consider that like one of his uh, spectacular releases just because it was so rare and so random. But they give him the Air Force One. And I think that's a silhouette that you can you can really go off or you can really be off. And by off, I mean awful. So I was like, damn. And even me, as a consumer, I was like, Air Force One's like, I haven't really bought Air Force Ones in a minute. Mind you, this was probably like two, three years ago when all this happened. So the hype wasn't really established yet for Air Force Ones like that. Okay. OG sneakerheads, I know. I know. Air Force Ones are timeless, but I'm just saying you gotta you gotta move on, and it just wasn't in my portfolio of sneakers, if you will. But this was a game changer. They had that complex con drop with his Air Force One and Virgil's. I want to say uh, another fashion brand. See that this is where I'm coming from, though. Uh, Don C had his, but all these all these Air Forces came out, and I think it was kind of like, uh, let's let's test the field, let's see which one of these influencers comes out victorious. And not even surprisingly, it was Travis Scott's because that shoe was fire. Man, I had a pair, and it was so dope. I I just get really hurt because they got super dirty fast. And this was the all-white pair. And on canvas, cleaning canvas, mission impossible. Good luck to you. Uh, You got the power of uh, alien if you can clean that off and make it brand new. Seriously, I don't know how you would clean that shoe. But everyone was talking about his. You know, replaceable swooshes, little details. That made it stand out from like the logo to the upside down crazy writing on it to even just the thicker laces. Like it's a great shoe, really. And 
I think that was the test run. He excelled, and then boom, Nike was like, we got to get him while he's hot. And if I'm not mistaken, this leads us to the Jordan 4. My biggest thing with this shoe is that had you not put a Travis Scott logo, does it slap still? Does it really slap still? I don't know. I don't know. And I can't, and for me, I can't say, uh, I would buy it if it wasn't Travis Scott. Because, okay, we all get caught up in the mix of buying uh, brands simply for the name that is attached to it. But I like the whole backstory with the Houston Oilers and how that colorway came about. But if that was just a Jordan brand shoe, would I have bought it? No, that I'm being completely honest. But I know it caused a frenzy. And that was another crazy release too. I didn't know too many stores or boutiques that got them. Me, I got them on sneakers for retail. So I'm going to shout out sneakers one time for one of the 10 dubs I have actually have on there. It's super rare. But when I come across a dub, it's a it's a big dub. So shout out to sneakers. I got those for retail. And like it's so insane because <laughs> I was going to sell them. And I, I, I was going to sell them for a low price because I've seen them around the valley around you know, 450 and <laughs> I went on StockX before I was going to go sell to this guy in my Discord, and I was, like, shocked. $1,000? What in the world? I wear my pair, so I know it's not $1,000, but good God, like, that shot up so fast. So the hype is definitely there. Nike knows it. And it helps that his album had dropped around the same time or was going to drop around the same time. And he had his merch coming out every day uh, prior to the album being released or after the album being released. I know my facts are really bad, but mind you, I got my wisdom teeth pulled out around this time. So my memory is not a one. So I know he had merchandise coming out and you had like a 24 hour stamp to get whatever you piece of clothing you wanted to it would lead to an album sale they would send you the album via email and you could be able to download it it was clicking on all cylinders everyone wanted a piece of astroworld whether it was the clothing the shoes the album itself or the concerts and festivals he was going to he became this flaming sensation no pun intended again. But seriously, he's dominating. So you got to think at this point, like, is this his peak? Is it really? I mean, I thought I had seen it with Kanye West and his Red Octobers because that was insane. But, it, it, but Travis Scott still wasn't there. You know, if we're being realistic, it still wasn't there. And I think Nike was like, okay, we're going to push it to the limit. Work with Jordan Brand. Work with them one more time, and we're going to get you something. Okay. When I first saw photos, I was like, what are 
those. And I had never seen a backward swoosh on an Air Jordan 1. And I never fell in love with the shoe so fast like that. On a brown shoe. I don't even like brown like that. But man, I was like, that is insane. I still I still have that shoe in my collection, the Jordan 1. And let me tell you, it was not an easy shoe to get, man. I had to jump through literally a you know fire obstacle like <sighs> shit was insane really but man when that shoe came out all the, and I love all the hype that led up to it cuz you had three different releases you had the one that was grammy night and people and people were just waiting they were like it's going to be super bowl night didn't come out in the super bowl but it came out during the grammys uh, and I know it's super limited. Boom, two thousand dollars resale. You're already up there in that red October range. And then he had the release on his birthday, which was on his website. I failed on that. And then he had the release on sneakers, a you know, also with boutiques and any other place I was carrying them. So three different releases, and they hit the cylinders on all those releases because I haven't seen hype like that that was visible because the red October just seemed way too way too high of a pedestal. It was like God level to even have that shoe or come across that shoe. But seeing how people were going crazy for these, it almost brought me back to like the Galaxy Foam Posit wave. Like that Concord wave like Everybody and their mama was trying to get this shoe, man. Trying to get that shoe. Oh, backward swoosh on it. And see, my my ass even went and got that shoe. So I I know I'm not even just being like a you know a hater and being like, yeah, these dumb. Ass. No, like I went dumb for that shoe too. And do I regret it? Hell no! It's fire. Nike knows exactly what they're getting out of Travis Scott. He is at his peak. He is at his peak. Music-wise, I think p- people are always going to say his first album is the hardest one. But he's still artistically available to like bring hits. It's not like a decline. Like Big Sean, he's he's kind of like declining in the in the matter of hype, you know. With the whole Janae Aiko thing, you know, you don't have that same energy that he that he had when he was dropping like mixtapes. Nobody's like, dang, like you know, Big Sean. Nobody's making like a mess, you know. So it's it's a really tough aspect to to maintain that and keep the audience going. But Nike and him, Jordan Brand, just collabing the way that they have, and and really just that strategic marketing. At its best, man. Like they knew exactly when to drop stuff. So, you know, with the shoes, with the Jordan one, and then he get, he comes out with the Jordan basketball one. I didn't really care for, it, but I know that I just saw it at Wings Closet for four fifty, and that kind of shook me. I was like, four fifty for you know basketball Travis Scott shoe. That is insane, but. I see that, and then 
brings me back to the low top Jordan ones. No one, and I don't care what you say, there's going to be someone maybe commenting on this later down the road. No one was, no one has or will be messing with Jordan low top ones. That is a fact. And that, and by, by like messing with them, I mean dropping racks on them. That's what I mean. I don't mean like, oh, this is like your mess around shoe or, you know, I, I'm hanging out with the boys. Let me just put these on real quick. No, I'm talking about like really mess with them to drop big money on them. No one in the world is doing that. No one. So what did Nike do? They said, let's test it one more time, man. Let's test it one more time. Let's see how this goes. Let's see if we will really get these people to get these Jordan 1 lows. So what happens, man? You get all these people going crazy again. Now, the resale isn't as much as the high, but we're still talking $800 for a Jordan 1 low. That's that's like the last time I've seen it, which was probably like a week ago. I haven't really stayed up to date with it, but if I'm looking at the numbers, 800 on the low, and I think I saw a pair of the high tops for eighteen. That's an that's a that's another world. So although Nike lost, you know they lost Kanye in the midst of this all, and needed to get that rapper back. I think this time they succeeded, beat out expectations, and set the blueprint of how you're supposed to have these rappers come out with their own shoe. For Drake, he wasn't able to accomplish that with Jordan Brand. I mean, his shoes are like selling for like retail, which was already expensive, like two fifty. But there's no sense of storytelling of creative process that really goes into it. It's more so of a colorway, if you will, with those. But with this, there's storytelling. There's there's little details to me that I I love as a creative and innovative person. I just love seeing you know backward swooshes or little cactus jack imprint on it, and you have the edging, you know, little logo on the back tab. Like it's it's dope. It's so dope to see that come into fruition. Kanye set the table. Travis Scott is delivering, though. He is bringing out the food, and he's got it all laid out for everyone to feast. So do I think now he is the most influential person when it comes to sneaker fashion? It, it's tough. It's tough. Kanye is still up there making Yeezys. And I promise you, if he dropped a new model, I, you know, that V3, uh, 350 is supposed to come out soon. And the basketball model is supposed to come out soon. He's still going to have people going by it. But in terms of what hype, and I guess the magnitude of hype, because I think you would get hype with Kanye. But at this point, you're not getting like, extremely, I need to uh, 
you know, push someone's grandma off off the ledge to get these shoes. No one's getting no one's getting that extreme for for Yeezys, and it hasn't been like that for a while. Okay, so I think that Travis Scott has become the most influential guy in the sneaker industry. Everyone is following that path that him and Nike, Jordan Brand, all set out. It's just facts. Like I said, Kanye was the father. Travis Scott was the son. But you learn from your father and you end up sometimes being at that same level as him. At some point in time, you know, you're going to, you guys are going to be right there. And for that situation, it's showing. I think it's coming, and just with these new colorways he has of the Travis Scott Jordan 6s, I heard there's supposed to be a new Travis Scott 4, also another one coming out next year. The possibilities are endless. It's up to them, though, to maintain this organic storytelling that goes within each of these shoes. Because even though you know, the Houston Oilers one is cool. That's kind of a colorway. Still has some backstory to it. It's not just random. You have the brown shoes, which to my understanding, he said that it was brown because he would always like, you know, play uh, outside with the kids or whatever when he was younger. So he, that's, that's why it's brown. Like it's kind of dirtied up, dirtied up suede. They need to maintain that. And I don't want to see a point in time where they just release a red colorway because he, I don't know, he likes the color red. Like, no, don't do that. Don't. Or, you know, Nike feels the need to bring out a green colorway because they haven't had a green colorway. They need to bring out, you know, this, that. Don't make it organic. Make it true to the storytelling. And I think that's what brought people in. And I think that's why people are going to stay with this. They see it. You, there's no storytelling in Kanye's shoes anymore. The The only storytelling is that you can uh, have a simple, easy closet like I do. You know, that's what Kanye's saying, basically, with all these, you know, colors that fall in the same palette. With Travis Scott, it relates more back to his life. Astroworld came out a year or two ago. Really bad on timing. I think it was a year ago. Came out a year ago, and they're just having a documentary on it right now. So I think that it is still visible just how influential and how powerful Travis Scott has become. So props to him, man. Get get your bread up while you can. I mean, you're out here with Kylie. Got a baby. Shoes, uh, you got a Nike deal, you got clothing that everyone wears, music everyone listens to. The sky is literally the limit. And if he keeps it up, he can definitely be known in history. Because I'm speaking as of right now, he's more influential than Kanye West for sure. But in history, I can't say that yet. 
he still has some time for his story to be written now. And right now, though, he's killing it. I want to see more storytelling. I want to hear more music. And if you're telling, if I'm telling you I want, that means I'm going to go get when it's there. I'm not saying I want a Yeezy, you know? I don't, I'm not out here <laughs> having a podcast about wanting all these Yeezys. I mean, okay, I'm taking that back. Hypocritical. 700s are different. Okay, whatever. And I have that back to school thing for you. So don't, don't be ripping into me. But no, I mean, people are out here fighting for these collabs. What Nike needs to do is to simply keep going. Travis Scott, keep going. Jordan Brown, keep going. They saw that they were losing with Kanye West and bounced right back with him and, you know, with Travis Scott and Virgil Abloh real quick. So, Travis Scott, I now crown you the most influential person in the sneaker industry. This is the podcast. This is the episode. Now, <laughs> and I'm just speaking kind of like, you know, free base right now. Of course, thank you for listening, taking the time too. I appreciate every single one of you. I noticed that uh, last episode was really good. And I think that having a guest be on is uh, really great. And I think I want to bring more guests on, on board. I, myself, am just trying to figure out. <laughs> this is all just a learning process for me as well as it is for anybody else who does this. So, um, you know, I'm still learning and going about it. And to be honest, I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with some episodes not being uh, as popular as I want them to be or, you know, some just aren't getting the same feedback, whatever the case may be. What I do know is that I do I do this because I, I genuinely love it. And I have gotten so many people, you know, who come in and tell me, uh, whether it's friends of, of others that I know or, you know, friends that I haven't talked to in years. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even uh, ex's family members. <laughs> who I haven't heard from in so long tell me, you know, hey, uh, I, I like when you talk about this or it's super dope to see you doing this. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's so dope to hear that. And I'm really just trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I really am trying to figure that out in this whole process. So not being too emotional, but again, I want to get, I want to get more guests to bring you guys some more, uh, some more really good content. It was just kind of tough to really schedule out. Even just this one, I have school coming up. Um, well, I just had my first day literally right now. And uh, just trying to see how the schedule goes along with that. I'm a senior and over at Grand Canyon. And I want to be able to walk across that line and know that I 
put forth literally every single ounce of sweat that I could into that, you know, degree. And I know that that's not the end for me. And I know that this podcast is just the start of something great. So with that being said, though, I want to uh, hear kind of your feedback on guests. If you guys really mess with it, that was my first attempt at it. I know I ha- I told you guys about an interview with, uh, and I'll just go out and say it, AZ Thread. We had spoken. Uh, I'm really just trying to get down with all the podcast uh, tools and equipment to go and do that. I want to provide really good audio for that. I don't want to go into something and provide boo-boo content that could have been really spectacular. So uh, just wait on that. It's going to come in soon. And I think it's going to help exponentially with with this and with his storytelling that he uh, you know, provided me with. I think that would be great on both sides. And I can't wait to dive into that. So let me know how you guys feel about guests. I'm going to have that interview soon. And this is another episode of Jaywalking, I think, um, which was a pretty good one. So (laughs) I'm going to go to sleep knowing that I did a decent decent podcast with little to no time on topics. But like I said, I love it when you guys provide me with topics, uh, things you want to hear me talk about, or just ideas, anything really. So uh, if you're hearing this at the end, shoot shoot the DMs up with anything you want to hear, suggestions. I'm all for it. Gonna have I'm gonna have more guests if you guys mess with it. Gonna have that interview, of course. And I'll hear from you guys later. So peace and have a great day, night, or you know, whatever you're listening to this to. <laughs> but seriously, thank y'all. Later.